Hey guys, welcome back to the Nutrition Expedition. Before today's episode, we just wanted to say, we're not qualified specialists. If you have any issues, see a healthcare professional. The daily posts, including recipes, exercises, nutrition facts, and calorie comparisons, follow us on Instagram at The Nutrition Expedition. Peace. Thanks for tuning in and today we are lucky enough to be joined by a registered dietitian nutritionist and owner of the prenatal nutritionist Ryan Kipling. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah and just we'd like to ask we ask a pretty straightforward question to all our guests um, and that's just how they got into the field that they're in today. Um, so if you'd like to explain to our guests uh, to our listeners um, your path to becoming a dietitian. Yeah, so I've always been interested in nutrition, um, and it was actually my sister who was like, you should do nutrition, and I kind of was, when I was in college, I was like pretty typical, just like fumbling about like, what should I do? I don't know. I took a bunch of like generic classes, and then my sister suggested nutrition, so I enrolled in a nutrition 101 course, um, and then from there, I was like, yes, this is definitely what I want to do, um, and through nutrition school, we, you know, talked about pregnancy and prenatal nutrition. And ever since we talked about that specific um, population, I was always really interested in it as well. And then I ended up doing like my thesis or, you know, capstone project at the end of the year to graduate um, on prenatal nutrition as well. So I've always been interested, I guess, in prenatal nutrition since college too. That's cool. And I'm actually curious because in Australia, it's quite difficult between a nutritionist and dietitian. Dietitian's like a set you have to go to uni and finish a course. Whereas nutritionist is kind of like any unregistered sort of uni can, or like not official big uni can help you become a nutritionist. What What's the process like in the US? Yeah, it, it sounds like it's very similar. Um, dietitian is, registered dietitian is a more protected term. It just has more schooling um, here in the United States. I think it's similar in Australia, but we have to like go to an accredited university, which yeah. it sounds like exactly what you're saying. Yeah, um, and then we have to like apply to an internship and be accepted into an internship. So we have to have so many hours. I think it's like between 1200 and 1600 like internship hours and then we're eligible to sit for the dietitian exam which is really similar to nursing school i don't think many people realize that but like nurses have to sit for their board exams we also have to sit for board exams and then pass those and then you can become a registered dietitian whereas nutritionists technically in the states like anyone can call themselves a nutritionist um there are some people that have like degrees in nutrition and they call themselves nutritionists, but it's just not really a protected term. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's it's a struggle because there's all these unregistered people on Instagram and on social media oh, yeah. promoting stuff, basically trying to scam their audience, whereas yeah. the, the qualified people don't really get a lot of the attention half the time. So I think yeah. it's, it's difficult. Definitely. Yeah, I see that all the time. I mean, there's so many like health coaches and, and, you know, just people that, not that they're not a place. I mean, I think there's a place for all of us, but it's definitely, you know, there's a difference between someone who should be doing one-on-one, you know, nutrition counseling versus maybe someone that is more of like a coach and is just helping you set goals and not really giving you like 
that individualized guidance that they should be. Exactly. Yeah, and if we're moving on to your sort of focus and, and you, your base around your, your business is all to do with prenatal nutrition. Um, and when we think of prenatal nutrition, we usually think of what to eat during and while someone is pregnant. Um, but we'd like to focus, and maybe just this question can be directed as to um, what role does nutrition have on impacting the chances of you falling pregnant or someone falling pregnant? Yeah, definitely. I love talking about the preconception period. So essentially the time leading up to pregnancy. Um, and I don't know about in Australia, but for whatever reason in the United States, people like to think of this as like a three month period. Like you just use those three months leading up to pregnancy and that's when you should start like thinking about making healthy changes and start taking a prenatal vitamin and all of these things. When in reality, if you can prepare much sooner than that, right? So much farther out, I guess. So if you can plan a year ahead or even six months ahead, that's going to be the best thing you can possibly do is just to try to get in a routine, right? A nutrition routine that works for you, start figuring out what supplements you might need to take, all of these sort of things. Um, those are important just to get your health right, but also do increase your chances of conceiving and of actually getting pregnant as well, um, which most people don't realize too. There are certain nutrients that you know, if you're deficient in certain nutrients, it might be hurting your chance um, of conceiving. And this is true for both the woman and the man, potentially. Um, they kind of both play a role. So it's, it's all important. Yeah, and absolutely. We see, we see all throughout movies, we see in everyday life, everyone going like, oh, you know, I'm pregnant or I'm, I'm looking to be pregnant, so I need to start watching my diet now. It's like it's much more to that than just that that certain period. you got to be conditioning your body your whole life, really, because when you think about it, like just remove yourself from life in general. If you're thinking about pregnancy as a whole, it's quite, quite crazy that someone's holding a, a little person in their stomach for a while and they're growing <laughs> yeah. constantly. So, I mean, for your body, it's not, you know, we need to condition our bodies for, for stuff like that. And, and it has to be a lifelong journey, not just those little yeah. little time periods. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like this episode is mostly going to be female-based and rightly so. But you just mentioned the man and his role prior to pregnancy. Do you want to expand on that a little bit and explain the importance of why a male needs to have the correct nutrients in his body? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's two, right? It takes two people. It's kind of 50% woman, 50% man leading up to conception, right? As you said, like once the pregnancy happens and the woman is pregnant, then it's kind of all of her um, piece to kind of finish the job. But yeah, so before pregnancy, it's definitely both partners. Um, there are certain nutrients that the male can focus on um, in order to just like increase sperm motility um, and sperm quality. All of those things are super important as you're thinking about conceiving, even just general like maintaining a healthy weight, which is just like one piece of the health puzzle that we all kind of think about um, is important as well if you're trying to conceive. So yeah, definitely things for both partners to focus on, which can be great because you can kind of do it together versus one person just trying to like make all these changes themselves, which makes it so much harder, um, so much easier if you're kind of both on the same page and both making healthy changes together and um, all that good stuff. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to stay on the pregnancy uh, or to move back onto the woman, 
what sort of issues do you see with uh, most women that, that when they, uh, what mistakes do you see most women make whilst they're pregnant um, when it comes to nutrition and their diet? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of different things, right? So it's hard to say like certain things, but I will say for sure one thing is protein is always a big issue um, just overall getting enough protein in um, this can be especially hard in the first trimester because usually protein foods don't sound appealing at all um, when you know the first trimester you're usually hit with fatigue and nausea and just so many unexpected symptoms so the only thing you want to eat is like carb heavy foods like pasta and toast and cereal um, and usually you're a bit lacking in protein um, so that becomes more important as you go throughout pregnancy. So it's not, it is important to consume protein in the first trimester, especially if you're feeling good and you want to eat things like fish and chicken and eggs and all of that stuff, that's great. Um, but you wanna think about it even more as you're heading into the later stages of pregnancy. Um, so definitely protein. I think um, nutrients like folate and iron are two common nutrients that people think of when they think of pregnancy. However, I always see women not consuming enough of either of these nutrients. So I think we think they're common and that it's like, oh yeah, iron and folate are important. But when it really comes down to it, when I'm looking at, you know, my client's food diaries and kind of doing nutrient analysis on them, it's like, oh, well, you're not getting enough folate. You're not getting enough iron. So I think those two nutrients, women are just overall under consuming and they're both super important during pregnancy. So folate, just getting in more leafy greens, more green vegetables, um, more citrus fruits and avocados. And then iron, again, that kind of um, lends up and leads up to like the protein thing because most protein foods have iron as well. So I think those are two um, mistakes that I see that are also super important things to touch on. And say there's a listener thinking, Ryan, I can't, I'm in that first trimester, but I can't uh, stomach actual protein, like like real food protein and a lot of vegetables. Would supplementing with powders be okay or no? Yeah, so it definitely depends. Um, and you just kind of have to be very picky with the types of products that you're choosing. Um, so I think protein powders during the first trimester can be a good option, especially if you cannot stomach any form of protein at all, um, but maybe you can get down a smoothie, you know, to where you can blend up some fruits, some veggies, and then add in some protein powder to get that extra boost. Um, I definitely think that's okay. As much as we can, obviously we wanna rely on real food sources, but when there are those times when you just can't stomach anything, but you can blend up a smoothie where you can just kind of, you know, suck it all back essentially in, a, in one loaded smoothie, then I think it's okay. Um, when it comes to powdered like greens, because I get questions about like green powders all the time and like, oh, well, is this fine if I'm not eating vegetables? And what usually happens with like these green powders is they like to add in a bunch of random herbs and things that we just don't know the safety of them during pregnancy. So to me, I it would be much more beneficial and save you money most likely um, to just throw in some spinach or kale or cucumber or some other sort of you know vegetable that you enjoy in a smoothie um, as opposed to spending a bunch of money on a green powder that might have ingredients that 
potentially aren't safe during pregnancy, um, or we just don't know the safety of them. And then I don't know about in Australia, but in the United States, dietary supplements are not well regulated at all. So that's always a factor is thinking like, we want to trust obviously like these companies and these supplement brands um, that their products are high quality, but sometimes we just don't know. Um, there might be some things in certain supplements that are not safe for pregnancy outside of like herbs and things like more toxins I'm thinking like lead and stuff like that that might be found in some supplements so that's always a factor to consider as well I mean I, I work in a health food store in, in Australia and we have a lot of uh, naturopaths there and they yeah. that we have certain uh, supplement brands that are regulated and they do recommend yeah. whereas there's, there's some of the more mainstream ones that people know as the main brands that you go to whereas they're the ones that you can't trust as much and they're not 100 percent accurate so right. i think it that that is the trouble because people need to know that they should go to the nutritionist naturopath dietitian and yeah. figure out what is the correct brand to get yeah yeah definitely well it's good that you guys have some form of regulation over it and you know there are some brands that are well known to be good because that's definitely a struggle here in the united states is like the supplement industry is this billion dollar industry but there's so little oversight over it um and what will happen is you see some great marketing ad you know for some exactly. supplement that promises all of these things and you get really curious and you're like oh my gosh yes i need this when in reality it's like it's just overpriced and is not really going to benefit you so yep yeah exactly absolutely and we always see people that, you know, you go to your local barbecue or you have people over for dinner and someone that's pregnant comes over and you hear all about the foods they're not allowed to eat. There's constant yeah. foods they must be avoiding. What are some of the foods that are specifically important during pregnancy that people must um, consume? Consume or avoid? No, consume. What are the ones that people should be focusing on? Yeah. Should be focusing yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Okay. Um, yeah, so definitely protein is super important. Eggs specifically. I talk about eggs all the time on my Instagram feed. Um, eggs are just so cheap um, quality protein that you can get in in so many different ways, so many different varieties. Um, eggs have a lot of important nutrients like choline, which is one I talk about a lot in relation to eggs. Um, also, I think leafy greens, like I mentioned before, leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables in general um, is going to get you a lot of nutrients, a lot of fiber, which is super important during pregnancy to help prevent things like constipation um, and to help manage your weight, balance blood sugars, things like that. Another category I always focus on is fatty fish. So there is a lot of confusion around fish in general during pregnancy. Um, some women here, you know, they need to limit their fish intake and kind of take that as, oh, I need to limit it. I might as well just avoid it altogether. Um, when in reality, that can actually be harmful during pregnancy because you're missing out on so many nutrients that fish provide. So specifically like omega-3s, DHA, that are crucial for baby's brain development. So fish is a definitely important category. Um, again, thinking to that first trimester, some people are probably like, I cannot stomach fish at all, <laughs> um, which is definitely okay. It is super important in the later stages of pregnancy too, like DHA is rapidly involved in baby's brain development in the third trimester. Um, so if you can't stomach it in the first, don't worry, you have plenty of time to make it up. Um, what other categories? Nuts and seeds are super important too. Um, lots of minerals specifically in things like chia seeds. That's one I 
always recommend for pregnancy because again, high fiber, it's got a good balance of like soluble and insoluble. So it's, it's really great for pregnancy, a great non-heme source of iron, very easy to add into things like smoothies and yogurt and then leading into yogurt. I love Greek yogurt during pregnancy as well. Um, high protein, good source of natural probiotics, iodine, calcium. Um, so those are all good. Yeah, and I feel like the majority of the stuff you mentioned are actually pretty cheap and people people always think, oh, fresh food's expensive, yeah. it's it's difficult to get all these stuff in, but stuff like right. spinach, broccoli, eggs, chia seeds, nuts, they're, they're, all, yeah. they're all so good and they're all so cheap. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. People think it's so expensive to eat all these healthy foods and I'm like, a lot of these things are super cheap. Um, one I didn't mention is like beans and lentils. So cheap. Lentils are super great for pregnancy and very inexpensive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah. So we asked about the food that should be consumed, but now what are the foods that, you know, should be avoided? Yeah, so definitely a lot of confusion around foods to avoid during pregnancy. And I'm sure these might differ a bit from Australia to the United States. I'm not 100% certain, but I know they are. there are some varying guidelines country per country. Um, in the United States, there are just so many lists floating around with foods that are really outdated, right? Like our, our food in America is very safe. And I think that's not, I think that's something a lot of people don't realize is that yes, foodborne illness outbreaks do occur and you can get sick from contaminated food, but the cases of that are actually very, very low. Um, and our food overall is very, very safe. So there are some things you wanna be careful about. Um, definitely you wanna wash all your produce. That is something that is huge because produce in the United States is like the number one food that causes the most foodborne illness outbreaks. Um, when people are way more concerned about deli meats and soft cheeses and um, unpasteurized dairy. And those things are all, you know, things we want to be cautious about, right? Um, but also realize that produce can cause just as many foodborne illnesses as deli meats and cheeses. Um, I do recommend avoiding unpasteurized dairy if you can. Um, again, don't know about Australia, but for the most part, like 90% of dairy found in like your average grocery store is going to be pasteurized. The only like weird cases is potentially like farmers markets. Um, I live in San Diego, so Southern California, we have a lot of farmers markets. Um, so there is the potential that, that if you were shopping there and people bring, you know, cheese fresh from their farm or something, it might be unpasteurized. But for the most part, again, most dairy is gonna be pasteurized. Deli meats, so sandwiches. A lot of my clients will be craving sandwiches and are like, can I eat this? I don't know if this is safe. When you heat them, the chance of you getting sick is decreases even more than if you were just to eat them unheated. So that's when again, that like, if you are craving it super bad, I always feel like if you're craving something, you need to eat it, right? Because it's something that, you know, you just need to listen to your body, especially if you maybe haven't eaten anything all day. And the only thing that sounds good is a sandwich. It's like, okay, just eat the sandwich. It's going to be okay. Um, and then the one thing that I always stress with all of the foods to avoid during pregnancy is that protecting your mental health is super important. Um, because I have a lot of clients who will eat a sandwich 
and then they'll feel guilty for like the next three days and they can't stop thinking about it and it's just really stressing them out um so if that's the case i always recommend like just avoid it because it's really not worth your mental health to have three days full of anxiety just off of eating one sandwich. Um, so definitely protect your mental health. If it's better for you just to avoid certain things and just avoid them. Um, but there are definitely plenty of things you can enjoy during pregnancy. Of course, things I didn't mention is like alcohol. <laughs> I definitely recommend avoiding alcohol. Um, raw meat, definitely avoid raw meat. Um, but when it comes to like sushi, there's always discrepancy there. For example, like Japan, in Japan, they recommend pregnant women eat raw fish, oh, like wow. raw salmon. Um, but in the United States, it's like, no, no, you should not eat any form of sushi during pregnancy. Um, it's it's really crazy. I don't know. Do you, I don't really know the guidelines in Australia. Do they usually say avoid sushi while pregnant? I think so. From what I hear, I think it's mainly just avoiding raw stuff yeah. in general i think it's just sort of yeah. i think in general people are just like i don't think that would be good and anyway, not, knowing australia we, we probably just jump on america's yeah, bandwagon right. of whatever right. they say <laughs> right. so, that being said yeah so i, I, yeah, I guess I think i'd guess it'd avoiding, be avoiding raw avoiding stuff. raw shellfish yeah. i'm in that boat avoiding raw shellfish um a lot of my clients will crave sushi because in things like raw salmon, the nutrients are more bioavailable. So it's really like your body, like saying, I need more of these nutrients. So to me, if again, protecting your mental health, if you know there's a restaurant that has quality um, ingredients, maybe you've had a conversation with the chef, like talked about where they get their fish, how they prepare it, and you kind of do your job educating yourself on the matter, and you feel like if you eat it, you're gonna be fine, you're not gonna stress out afterwards, you're not gonna feel guilty afterwards, then I'm in the boat that it's okay. Yeah, but I, the, problem, the problem is you don't know where it comes from, and I think that that's, if yeah. it's prepared well, obviously, but knowing the, the local sushi places around my house, they'd look at you with three heads, like, why, why are you asking this stuff? Just eat our sushi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a question we got on Instagram was, when we mentioned that you get we're getting you on was a grape safe during pregnancy grapes yeah yeah grapes are, are safe yeah i get that one a lot too um it's like a property in them that i think there's been potentially like a few maybe one or two research studies that have like looked at it in supplementation form um, and maybe they had said something, one of them had found like an adverse effect or something like that. But yeah, grapes themselves are definitely fine. Okay, cool. I don't know what, I think I've heard this as well, that grapes apparently are really bad for dogs as well. Like oh, if, really? they, if they eat it, it's potentially like really- I've heard that too. Um, really yeah. dangerous. So I don't know what it must be in grapes that just <laughs> uh, is very dangerous. But um, yeah, to, to move on to during pregnancy, you know, some, a lot of people will, will eat just their normal diet and not have a really too much of a care for or responsibility for taking care of something else. Well, now when they're pregnant, they have obviously a baby in their stomach so, or fetus in their stomach. So how do they know the difference on in terms of quantity, uh, yeah, quantity of how much food they need to eat before as opposed to during pregnancy? Are there any sources or, or um, you know, online research studies that can tell them how much they need to eat as compared to um, before? Yeah, so definitely gonna be an individualized question. You know, it's gonna be different for everyone how much you should eat during pregnancy, different stages of pregnancy. You'll see a lot of blanket recommendations out there for like, oh, in the first trimester, no calorie increases 
required in the second trimester eat around like 200 to 300 more calories third trimester eat around like 300 to 400 calories um, additional and that might hold true for some people but for others they might need you might need to eat more in the first trimester so like if you're starting pregnancy or if like your pre-pregnancy weight maybe you are underweight um, and you have a bit more catching up to do during pregnancy so you need to gain a little bit more weight than the average person then you might be someone who right from the get-go in the first trimester you need to start thinking about increasing your calories um, especially if you were on like a weight loss journey pre-pregnancy because I have a lot of people that will come to me with questions about like I was on this diet to lose weight before I was pregnant and then I find found out I was pregnant should I still like keep doing this diet or should I just ditch the diet and like focus on foods and the answer to that is yes please ditch the diet um, we don't want to be doing any form of dieting during pregnancy um, so for those people I would think that you probably would want to increase calories starting with the first trimester potentially second and third as well for some people you might need to just eat the same amount of calories you were eating during before pregnancy and that might be fine for you throughout um, but overall for me as a dietitian I really believe you should just listen in to your body during pregnancy you know following that kind of mindful intuitive eating um, diet practice where you just kind of tune in as much as you can to your hunger and fullness cues. Um, during pregnancy, your appetite is sort of a roller coaster, so it's really all over the place. So even when, for example, I'm giving my clients like a calorie goal, if it's, you know, whatever it is, I don't expect them to hit that every day just because it's not super realistic for you to eat the same amount of food on Monday as you do on Wednesday because there's so many variables. So it's kind of all over the place. That was a long-winded answer. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess the answer is it's very individualized. Um, so if you really want to know, hopefully you can work with the dietitian who can kind of guide you in the right direction. Yeah, perfect. And something that's a bit left field that I just thought about, and Matera and I always talk about these health pillars that we think are so important, and one is sleep. How do you think sleep is affected during pregnancy and how much sleep is needed in each trimester? Yeah, that's a good question. Sleep is definitely important. Um, I think... In pregnancy, this can be the sleep can always be challenging. Um, like I was saying, when the first trimester hits, you're hit with like a lot of different symptoms, and one of those is usually fatigue. You usually get so tired. Um, I'll have many clients who are like, "I have to take a nap." Like every day at 3 p.m., I literally have to take a nap. Um, in my opinion, I'm like, definitely do it because that's your body again, your body giving you a sign you need more rest for whatever reason. And back to our point of like amazement of what pregnancy is when we talk, started talking at the beginning, it's like you're growing a human inside of you. So if you need extra rest and you're feeling like maybe you're sleeping more than usual, then I think, you know, just listen to your body and tune into that. And then on the flip side, if you're struggling to sleep, you know, I would really talk to your doctor about that. Talk to your other, you know, healthcare team members and see what you can do to figure out how you can sleep better. Um, there are definitely certain nutrients that you can focus on. I know magnesium is talked about a lot in regards to sleep. So that's definitely important nutrient for pregnancy overall. Um, and so many women are not consuming enough magnesium. So I, that's a big area I would focus on if you're having problems with sleep. And then that's a good one to also look at your supplementation. Um, of course, again, individualized, but you definitely want to find a supplement that has magnesium in it. 
Yeah, and and on that point, I'm, I have a feeling I know how you're going to answer this question, and it might be along the lines of supplementation. But what what would be your you know your tip for 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 women who are who get sick eating specific foods um, during pregnancy and struggle to balance their diet out um, evenly? Yeah, so as much as we can, again, want to rely on real whole foods, but there's a lot of times when food aversions happen, and most of those aversions are to proteins and to vegetables. Um, so it, it can be a challenge to get in certain foods, but you know, if they're, if it's something that you cannot stomach, you know, just like leafy greens, for example, you can try whatever vegetable you can stomach, just go for that, right? And if you can't stomach any vegetables, fruits provide a lot of the same nutrients. So, you know, while we don't want to go crazy on eating, you know, 10 bowls of berries every day, um, if you can enjoy fruit and that's something that sounds good, that's a great replacement. Um, same thing with protein. So like trying different proteins, if you can not stomach salmon, but you can eat a small piece of plain chicken, or you can eat even like nuts or seeds, like plain cashews, like that's going to be a better choice than just eating like carbs, like I said initially. Um, and one tip I always give there is that if carbs are really the only thing you can stomach, I would just say, make whatever it is. So like, have your piece of toast and then if that kind of settles your stomach you feel a little bit better then follow it up with you know a piece of cheese or those nuts i was talking about or a piece of chicken or whatever that protein or you know healthy fat is that you can fit in um, just kind of work on getting those in later and then different times of the day so some women will find that their nausea is consistent and they'll realize like oh i always get nauseous around like 4 p.m every day so that's the case i'm always like great we can plan around it around that we can really front load like your calories and nutrients so have a really great breakfast you know fit in as many nutrients as many calories as we can and like breakfast and lunch that way we know dinner time is probably not gonna be great. Um, so you can just have whatever sounds good at that point because you've kind of done your work and fit in as much nutrients and calories as you could, you know, at the beginning of the day. Yeah, good tips. And say there's someone that is getting all the correct nutrients they need. Are there still any supplements that you believe they should be taking during pregnancy? So in general, I think majority of people will need to take a pretty well-rounded prenatal vitamin. Um, I have worked with some clients who prefer not to take any supplements during pregnancy, just personal preference. They don't want to take anything that's not food. Um, and I will say that it's very challenging uh, just because a lot of the stuff that we just talked about pregnancy gets really complicated and there are so many things that are interfering with your normal nutrition routine. Um, that that supplement is a great insurance policy it's a great supplement right to your diet just what it's supposed to do it really plays an important role there um, so generally most people will need a well-rounded prenatal vitamin um, especially if you're someone who's eating like under 1800 calories with that amount of calories it's just there are a lot of nutrients where it wouldn't even be possible for you to meet your needs usually um so that's where that prenatal vitamin comes in um, we talked a little bit about dha so omega-3s that's potentially a supplement you might need depending on your fish intake um, if you're someone who really never eats fish or you know has never eaten fish growing up but maybe you just started eating it 
it's likely that you're low in DHA, so you might need a supplement there. Um, another supplement that might be necessary for you is a probiotic. Um, again, we want to rely on food sources of probiotics as much as we can, like the Greek yogurt that I mentioned, um, or fermented foods are great to get in those probiotics too. But I work with so many people who don't like any fermented foods and they're getting in no form of probiotics elsewhere. So that's where a supplement there might be beneficial. And then there's definitely other micronutrients that you might need to supplement on top of your prenatal vitamin. Um, vitamin D specifically is one that majority of my clients are taking additional vitamin D on top of their prenatal vitamin because their prenatal vitamin either provides like the absolute bare minimum of vitamin D, or we've done the blood work, tested their levels, and found that they're just not sufficient um, as what we would like to see. So we have to supplement with even more. And there could be potentially other micronutrients that you need, but just definitely an individualized basis. Yeah, awesome. And back to the, the point of getting sick with foods, uh, something that I've got, I just had thought of is we had someone on the podcast a few months ago and they were a health expert and we did a whole episode with them and it was great and then we ended the episode we're having a chat to them and they're saying that they because they're pregnant they're saying it's funny how i preach all this stuff to everyone yet all i can stomach is some biscuits every day right now so i think there's <laughs> gonna be a lot of people that are struggling but like at yeah. certain points but it just shows that there's, there's someone that knows everything about nutrition and yeah. they're struggling. It's not. It's not about your knowledge. Yeah. It's about literally listening to your stomach and seeing what you can eat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and to move on, uh, us uh, being males aren't uh, quite aware as much <laughs> as you guys would be of, of how much uh, weight naturally is gained over over pregnancy. Um, what's yeah. a natural sort of amount of weight that should be gained over pregnancy? Yeah, so again, definitely going to differ per person. Um, the Institute of Medicine guidelines in the United States essentially suggest that the more you weigh pre-pregnancy, the, the less weight you should gain during pregnancy. And then on the flip side, the less you weigh. So if you're underweight before pregnancy, the more weight you should gain during pregnancy, if that makes sense. Um, usually for me, I always say that focusing on food, <laughs> focusing on the food, the nutrients is the most important thing you can do. Um, your doctor is likely going to weigh you, you know, at your prenatal visits and kind of check in. And this is really variable per doctor. Like some doctors I find are like super sticklers about weight and some doctors like never even mention it. They never even set a goal with, you know, the patient, like no mention of it whatsoever. Um, for me, when I'm working with my clients, it's really not a focus. Like I don't make my clients report their weight to me, like nothing like that. My goal is just to really make sure that we're focusing on the food as much as we can and managing symptoms, right? How can we manage these symptoms um, and still try to eat as nutrient dense of a diet as we possibly can. Um, but what's interesting about weight gain guidelines too is these are variable country to country too. I think Australia probably uses the same guidelines as the United States. I feel like I've looked into this before. Um, but some countries are very different and their weight gain guidelines are actually less than the United States. Wow. So like for a normal BMI, 
woman, the weight suggested weight gain is 25 to 35 pounds is like the normal range. Um, but some other countries that would be like 20 to 30 pounds, you know, maybe like five pounds lower or something like that. So it's super interesting. But I think, you know, most important thing is just focus on baby's growth. So making sure you're going into checkups and making sure baby's growing fine and then making sure you're focusing on um, nutrient dense food and eating the most well balanced diet you possibly can. Great. And now onto yourself, what sort of services do you offer pregnant women? And do you just offer face to face or do you offer possibly international consults? Yeah, so right now, my biggest resource is my online resource. It's called the Prenatal Nutrition Library, which is available wherever you are. <laughs> um, you just have to have Wi-Fi to be able to join, essentially, um, which is awesome. We have people from all over the world. I just saw someone join from Zimbabwe oh, so um, cool. right before we hopped on this call, actually. Um, we have someone from the Netherlands. I think we have a few people from Australia too. So you can join from wherever you are. Yeah. Um, and basically what it is, is kind of like a searchable database. So if you have questions about some of the things we were talking about today, like sushi or deli meats or cheeses or vitamin D, whatever it is, um, you can go into the library, you can search those topics. And we have different notes on, I mean, topics from A to Z related to prenatal nutrition. And then the other huge benefit of being a member of the library is that there is a questions forum, which I'm the one in there answering all of the questions. So you can post whatever question you have, if it's about a specific supplement, which a lot of the questions are about um, safety of products, safety of supplements during pregnancy, um, safety of certain foods. So like, you know, just questions about the most random foods, like certain salad dressings. And I don't know, there's just so many random things but women have so many questions and again, so much anxiety around um, whether or not things are safe and they don't wanna put anything in their body that would potentially harm the baby, you know, which is totally understandable. So you just gain so much confidence in what you're doing every day. So that is my main resource right now. I am accepting some one-on-one -on -one clients that's going to be us only um but you can work with me one-on-one -on -one. i ha have like a three month and a six month program which is pretty limited right now but definitely get in touch with me if you're someone who's interested in one-on-one -on -one work i'd love to hear from you awesome absolutely and now on to the questions we like to ask all our guests um, yeah. towards the end of the episode what is one thing you've learned or found interesting uh this week that you've learned about or if not this week or just recently Oh my gosh, what is one thing I've learned? Could be anything, it doesn't have to be anything in your health. Doesn't even have to be uh, health related, yeah. yeah. It could be anything. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys put me on the spot. <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like I've, I've probably learned so many things. Um, I don't know. Should we come back to it? <laughs> come back to it. Come back okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're safe for a few more minutes. <laughs> uh, what's one tip to improve listeners' health in any way? Um, this one is good. I feel like a lot of people get very overwhelmed with, again, 
and all of the products that are on the market, all the supplements and powders that everyone's pushing and it gets very overwhelming. So I always say stick to things that are very realistic and very achievable. So if you're setting a health goal, make it something super small and very achievable. Even if it's just like, you know, including a tablespoon of chia seeds three times per week. Um, making sure your goals are achievable is super important because if they're not, usually you just throw them in the trash. You know, you're like, oh, forget about it. I can't do it. And if you don't reach it, then you feel like a failure. So setting goals that are super realistic um, is really important. And this is something that I do with my clients. I have them focus on three very small, very realistic goals. And it's so it's so interesting to see the progress progress just in three months with setting such, such small goals. So I guess start small is my my health tip. That's a good one. I like that one. Absolutely. Uh, any uh, <laughs> any any thoughts on the question before? Or should we just leave that one, do you think? Um, just leave it. I okay. can't think of anything. I'm like I'm blanking. <laughs> That's, That's all good. Yeah, well, so just if you'd yeah. like to leave your, um, just once again, your website was the prenatal, prenatal uh, nutrition library, the library. Yeah, you can include that link. That would be good. Okay. okay cool. Yeah, we'll include that all down the bottom. Um, and as well, you have Instagram and your Facebook? Yeah, I do have Facebook. I, I'm not super active on Facebook. I have TikTok. Okay, awesome. So okay, we'll, we'll include your uh, TikTok and Instagram links and, and your website in the link below. But um, yeah, so just to finish up, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm sure everyone listening right now is, is um, way more informed. Way more informed yeah. in, on pregnancy <laughs> and, and the topics. Uh, it might be good for some guys to listen as well, you know, if they've got a partner or anyone um, coming up to that point Definitely. in their life. So uh, thank you so yeah. much for joining us and um, we'll keep in touch for sure. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.